Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I'll be featuring four companies out of Ethereum Classic Labs' recent cohort number two. Just as a reminder, beyond Bitcoin, I'm a fan of blockchain as a technology. In this week's tech news, Google has mentioned that they are going to start live transcriptions and translations into languages that aren't even being spoken. And that tool will be available via its Google Translate app in the coming months. Lime, the scooter company, is trying to stay ahead of all the folks that get upset when the scooters are getting running over people. And so they've announced that they've added artificial intelligence into their scooters that can detect when someone isn't riding on a paved street. So in essence, riding on a sidewalk. And the scooter, if it knows that the person's riding on a sidewalk more than they should be, um, they'll actually get notifications that they need to abide by all traffic laws. The U.S. just confirmed that it continues to be very suspicious of Chinese-made drones. The U.S. Department of the Interior said that it's going to continue to ground its entire drone fleet, except for emergencies. And as we learned earlier, these drones are all Chinese-made. And so there's just some paranoia about whether those drones are collecting data that it shouldn't be. And so if you have a Chinese-manufactured drone, probably a question you should ask yourself. A lot was talked about Windows 7 being retired. And so the question is, what happens with Windows 10? Uh, There's rumors that Windows 10 will be the last official Windows release ever and that Microsoft will just continue to update it. So there might not be a Windows 11. But in case they do sunset Windows 10, it'll be at least another five years until 2025 because generally speaking, Microsoft supports their products for 10 years. LG, the Korean technology giant, announced that due to the coronavirus, they will be shutting down all non-essential travel to China, and that's to protect their employees from the coronavirus. And this goes hand-in-hand with rumors or announcements that companies like Google have suspended all operations in China as well. And the last story of the week is, do you remember MoviePass, that subscription service where you can watch as many movies as you want for a low price? Well, they went bankrupt about a year and a half ago, but they were acquired by another company. Uh, That company, too, is now filing for bankruptcy because they cannot pay all the people back who had subscriptions, and so it was just easier for them to fold. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today I'm joined with Marco Montes, who's the CEO of Saldo. Saldo means balance in Spanish, and he's revolutionizing remittance platforms, starting off using the blockchain. Hey, Marco, how are you? Very good. Thanks for having me. So, Marco, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and then what Saldo is all about? Yeah. 
Uh, well, my experience has been in payments. I've been in, in this field for more than 10 years. Um, I'm passionate about mobile payments and how digital money can improve people's lives, especially in developing countries. So I've worked for big telco companies uh, launching solutions across um, Central and South America. And in 2013, I, I, I learned about Bitcoin and, and, and I immediately like switched to like getting more involved and understanding how to build on the top of this technology. And, and that's how uh, eventually I came up with, with this idea. Yeah, and that's great. Uh, I, I talked a lot about it. I was uh, both a technologist and a banker. And so 2013, when I was at the Bank of Tokyo, we were looking at Bitcoin as well as a platform. And that's where uh, just people's minds got really open to the power of the technology. And so especially, I think, in developing countries where they're needing solutions. Because people always think about in the Western world, like there's all these banking systems and all this infrastructure they built out. They don't really think about what it takes to transmit money in other countries, especially um, places that don't have as built out an infrastructure. Yeah, correct. I think um, it's very interesting that countries like Mexico, um, half of the population actually are still using cash as the main way to do everything, all the financial transactions. So it's, it's like really incredible how banks haven't been able to fulfill the needs of, of these countries. So something completely new and entirely different needs to actually exist in order to these people have um, a way to, to bank for the very first time, I think. It's, it's very interesting. So what does make Saldo different? So Saldo is thinking differently about the problem. So right now there are tons of different startups thinking how to transfer money and how to make it cheaper, uh, but they are still relying on a lot of the traditional rails. So for example, there's PayPal solutions that assume that people will still get banked here in the US, like get a bank account and then connect their bank account to just like a remittance. Uh, but online service and then they will still have to connect it to like a payout network in, in Mexico. So yeah, there's, it's a digital remittance that today exists, actually Western, I mean, and, and, and the, the companies like that are having like most of the, of the market share are the traditional remittance companies. Sure, yeah. um, so we don't think that that's the future. I think uh, we think that remittances should just get replaced entirely and uh, so what we're thinking is not to provide a transfer service. So we're trying to build a bank for these migrant workers because what we realized is that all of these startups trying to, to disrupt remittances are all of them uh, trying to to get solved these cash-in points or cash-out points, but it's impossible because there are like existing players that prevent these startups from really making money. 
So, but if you, if, if you see the, the migrant workers in the United States and other countries, what they're missing, it's actually a bank. Yes. Um, so we're thinking, how can we build a bank, multi-currency bank, uh, that it's accessible internationally and just make possible for, for migrant workers to store the value there. And then in terms of, which is correct, but in terms of an alternative bank, are you thinking uh, a way to connect to a traditional bank, an alternative method, or are you thinking entirely an alternative banking solution? I think when I call it like a bank, it's because uh, a bank for me, it's a place where you feel safe storing your, your value okay. in. So for me, all, all the remittance startups are trying to solve the, the, the value transfer aspect. So we're, we're, we're focusing on two things, the value transfer aspect, but the startup value as well. And I think that's completely different because we're, 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 we're making this experience where people can actually hold money and, um, and actually be able to transfer very small amounts of, of value whenever they need. Um, so that disrupts entirely the idea of a remittance, that, it, that it's like a $300 um, transaction that happens on, on a monthly basis. So what we see is more like having this digital bank that people can transact uh, on a daily basis, uh, back and forth from one currency to another, uh, you know, that cannot be confiscated. Uh, what happens if, if migrant worker uh, gets supported? So the money stays here. Yes. Um, so that's terrible. With, with traditional money transfers, you still need a counterparty in, yeah. in the recipient country that you need to trust your money. And with. they take a lot of percentage of the transaction. Yeah, but also think about the people like getting these remittances. So you send money to a family member and then like you need to trust that person that it will like like make the right decisions and pay the, like all the bills. So we, we're, we're thinking uh, how people like migrant workers can manage all their all their finances like using a mobile experience. So that's why like, we, we, we think more as a bank and we are uh, making efforts towards becoming a bank rather than just a remittance company. Yeah. And so how do Mexican banking laws, um, and, and maybe you don't know about US banking laws, but are they friendly towards re regulation? Are they friendly towards these concepts? Because I know in the US, right, we've taken many years to get comfortable with the concept of blockchain yeah. yeah well I think um, you're right it's it's a huge effort um, my my experience is, is precisely um, like navigating this this like legal um, issues but what I can tell you is that we are pretty comfortable about um, you know making this happen um, the thing is that the, the the Mexican regulators actually care a lot about migrant workers because they know that they have been like exploited and abused. So they are pretty open to to listen and to analyze uh, new ways of, of doing things. And uh, we've been working for more than a year with the central bank uh, and, and, and the other regulators in Mexico to explain what we're trying to do, what technologies we're using. and. Uh, and so far, things look very promising. Well, that's great news, Marco. So I wish you all the best. I want to track your project very closely because I'm very interested in this space. 
stay tuned because coming up next, we have Pulse Agent, which is trying to transform the B2B marketplace using blockchain. You have any questions or comments about Saldo or anything else, drop us a line at info at svn.biz and you can visit us at svn.biz, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. On today's show, I'm talking to four companies who just went through ETC Labs Accelerator that's located here in San Francisco. And the purpose of today's show is really to remind people that now that the cryptocurrency craze has kind of died down, uh, people generally know what Bitcoin is, that this is not about cryptocurrency. This is how blockchain as a technology continues to be worked on. Many companies are working on how to solve real-world problems. And so coming up next is Pulse Agent, where they are trying to enable a B2B marketplace. And they give an example, for instance, you want to buy insurance, finding a marketplace for sellers of insurance and buyers of insurance. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Once again, I'm at ETC Labs. I'm getting to know their latest batch, where I'm a mentor for their incubator. I'm joined with Anadan Jayaraman, who also is known as AJ. He's the co-founder and CEO of Pulse, and he's revolutionizing business insurance. Welcome, AJ. Thank you. Great to be here. So, AJ, I'm fascinated with this whole concept, so business insurance. But before that, I wanted to get a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I uh, moved to the United States, uh, immigrant, came here to uh, study and work. I work for a large software companies in Silicon Valley, Siebel, SAP, Epiphany. I was a CMO at multiple venture-funded startups. And so I also worked with a lot of insurance companies as a part of some of these gigs. And one of the things that always struck me was insurance companies had super high expense ratios. So 30% of uh, the premiums they collect do not go towards paying claims, but you know, paying executives and sure. running costs. And it's a really high number. All right. And, and obviously, no, nobody wants to buy business insurance. It's a very painful, cumbersome, tedious experience. And you don't know if you're actually going to get paid out if you have a claim or not. So we feel like the blockchain and the technology underlying that gives an opportunity to completely reimagine the way insurance works. And uh, I looked into it, did a lot of research, talked to people, and we felt like there was a real opportunity here. Yeah, and it was, it was fascinating because right before we got started, you were starting to talk about um, the history of Lloyd's of London. Yeah, so the funny thing about insurance is that it's the ultimate social good. So, you know, way back, a few hundred years back, merchants used to get together in a coffee shop in London and they would put some money aside saying if any of our ships sink in the ocean, right, or if a pirate takes over, then you know what, the money that we set aside will actually be used to pay for that and all the merchants need to agree. And the coffee shop eventually became known as Lloyd's Insurance and it became big enough. So what really started as a community so community thing got taken over by giant corporations and they obviously make a killing out of this and they have a huge bureaucracy set up to uh, you know, manage the whole operations and it's highly ineffective. It solves for the shareholder and the insurance company executives. It doesn't quite solve for the customer who's at the heart of the whole thing. And I think there's an opportunity to change that. Yeah, I agree. Um, My background is technology and banking. I grew up at Wells Fargo and then went on to Cisco and then uh, ultimately 
managing technology risk for the Bank of Tokyo. And what's funny is I mentor at all these insured tech accelerators. The, the thing about it, we joke, is you know banks operate under the principle that they need to make money, protect money. And insurance companies operate under the principle that they're going to lose money and then make it back later. Yes, that's true. So, so that's the funny part about banking versus insurance. And so, yes, business insurance is an area ripe for innovation. Yes, yes. And particularly some new forms of insurance, like cyber as an example. Yeah. People are scared about getting hacked, customer data is getting lost. And for many companies that we work with, they don't even get business until they can show that they have cyber insurance policy for one, two, five, ten million. So many times they're scampering at the last minute saying, hey, I can't close this deal until I actually get cyber insurance. And how do I go about picking this? And what exactly is it? Most of the time they search the work, they click on the first link and, you know, they see his cops and a whole bunch of other people and they're like, they don't know what they get. So, you know what, let me just get something so that I can get the deal from the client. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a way to change that and inform the customer, empower them and go back to the community model that we talked about in which insurance works for the premium holders, not for this giant company in the middle that is trying to make all the money. And the funny thing is most companies don't actually make a profit on the underwriting itself. It's a very small profit of that. Most of the money is from investing the proceeds in the market. And so the investment income is fairly significant. Okay. So then how does your model work uh, on the blockchain? How is it that you or a customer can transact um, getting alternative business insurance? Yes, so the fundamental, fundamental model uh, essentially tries to replace the intermediary, which is the insurance company with a smart contract. So uh, people who want to be insured, they actually pay money, which goes into the smart contract itself. Uh, we do have a decentralized community of underwriters who actually use data and AI to take an incoming request and do an assessment of risk based on available parameters. And uh, the policy, the money itself is converted into a stable coin and kept in the smart contract. And when a claim event occurs, uh, someone files a notice of first loss. And we have, again, a decentralized community of claims adjusters who will actually adjudicate the claim. And uh, the community can vote on the claim using the wallets. Oh, yeah. I so, totally get it. And, and when, the, when the claim gets paid out. So you can actually look at this and say how much money has been collected, how much has been paid out, and the expense ratio itself is extremely small. I think that's where the key innovation comes in as we think by changing the expense ratio from 25-30% what it is today to bringing it less than 10%, we are unlocking almost 20%. How do you ensure that there's enough um, stable coin? How do you ensure there's enough in the ecosystem to pay out a claim? Great question. So uh, one of the other things we're also doing is that a reinsurance company or a pool of uh, reinsurance providers are plugged into this as well. Right. So uh, the people who capitalize it first, which need not be just the premium holders, also provide capital into the pool and they get a percentage of the pool in terms of equity, an equivalent of equity, right? So the pool is capitalized on day one, even though you have not collected enough premiums yet, and you also have a reinsurance backstop. So the way this essentially goes is that um, you do have to pay premiums to the reinsurance company as well, and people have capitalized the pool. On a periodic basis, we will close the pool out, and the money that is left, which is premiums minus claims, will actually given back 
to the equity holders, which would be the people who gave the capital, as well as the premium holders themselves who actually have a stake in the company. Okay. Which again, we think is an innovation because today, if you give premium to an insurance company, you're not getting a stake in the company. I mean, you're just being used in some ways. Uh, so in this model, uh, the community and each person who participates in it, the claims are just the underwriter, the premium holder, all of them do get uh, some equity in the pool. Okay. And is this uh, meant to be more of a direct model to the business? I mean, I know you have the... the yes. Okay. It's a great question, yes. So I think the agents and the brokers and all the people in the middle, they complicate situations. They take the you know, share of the price, so to speak, and not always to the add value. And so what we want to do is to give uh, uh, experience to the customer, which is really simple, direct and easy, and so they essentially work directly with us. So even though we have an open smart contract and have open source applications, this is a company at some level. It is just that we are taking a cut that is extremely small and we are focused on making the experience as compelling as possible. Okay. So is your platform up and running now? Uh, we have an earlier version of the product uh, available on the testnet on Rentopy. So we are making a lot of changes to it, so we hope to launch a newer version towards the end of the year. And that would be, I think, sometime in December. That's what we're hoping. Okay. Well, um, it's www.pulseagent.co. Yes. And once again, I'm joined with AJ, co-founder and CEO of Pulse, an alternative business insurance platform. So thanks again, AJ, for being here. Don't go away. Coming up next is OS City and how they're trying to transform how governments and citizens interact using technology, for instance, more efficient permitting. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and you can always find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, we're featuring companies who've recently completed ETC Labs cohort number two for an accelerator here in San Francisco. On this week's CyberTip, I'm going to talk about Avast, which is an antivirus vendor. Uh, my cyber tips every week are here to instruct you and inform you on things that are going around. And it's not always about a vulnerability or a hack. In this case, Avast, which is the free version of, of antivirus software, is used by over 400 million people. They were outed in a PC Mag article that they do data harvest and collect what their users are viewing when you're using the Avast browser. And so this is just something I really want you to be aware of, that even though it's a free tool that you download, sometimes you're just rushing through the installation. It says, hey, do you want to accept our browser? It looks like Google. It feels like Google uh, Chrome. And also there's an agent that sometimes gets embedded into your own browser. Well, all that stuff is collecting data on you. Avast kind of gave a response, not a, a complete one, that said, hey, we do this to protect our users. We need to know what they're viewing so we know when there's threats. Uh, the PC Meg folks kept writing back to them saying, but you don't need this amount of data. Uh, how do you de-identify your users? Because you say that uh, the data you're collecting is anonymized, and they wouldn't respond to that. Uh, one other thing that was um, in the article is that they sell this data via a subsidiary, 
and all that data, and they say again, it's anonymized, is being data brokered for somebody else. So imagine a company like Microsoft or Intuit buying that data and being able to figure out how to sell services to you. Um, this is not illegal, and it, it's up to you whether you think it's ethical or not, but the cyber tip is when you install anything, including free software, be sure that you watch every aspect of the installation. Don't just blindly click accept, accept, accept. Uh, what Avast is saying that they're going to do going forward is to get actual consent from the users, which means there'll be a pop-up screen that says, hey, do you accept to having your data harvested? And uh, that, again, um, is something that you need to decide. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. I'm here back at ETC Labs in their batch two, and I have a really cool company, OS City, out of Latin America, South America. And with me is Alex Garza, CTO, Jesus Del Bosque, the innovation and product lead, and Lucas Olias, who's the head of sales. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. So I'm going to tee it up because this is a really interesting topic for us. Uh, a few months back, I had the former chief information officer of the state of Illinois for professional licensing, and he was talking all about how he believes blockchain is going to be very useful for things like government registrations and certificates. And I know that's just one of the things you do, but I think that's one of the things that people can really understand and resonate with. Like if you can use a technology that helps you get through these very painful government processes faster, that's very helpful to the citizens. So that's where I wanted to start off with. So Jesus, why don't you tell me about how you, your company came up with this idea and, well, and how it's being implemented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we first came with the idea. We, we wanted to deal with uh, with the new technologies. We're, that's kind of the things we. One of the things we do. So we thought, uh, how can we use blockchain for the good of, of, of people to create a, a greater impact, right? So we decided that we were going to be uh, like uh, just relying on the benefits of the blockchain. And we started thinking about use cases. And the first use case that we were able to do was in uh, one of uh, close by cities where we where were based, we were headquartered in, in Mexico. And we're doing, uh, we're gonna do the liquor licensing for uh, for those guys. Okay. And uh, what what's happening is that they have a lot of problems about, uh, you know, counterfeit licenses, licenses out of place, licenses that have been expired and are still uh, trying you know the people are still selling the, the liquor there so uh, we decided that we were going to pitch this idea for them that they should uh, hop onto the blockchain train and with that came a lot of uh, you know other stuff uh, digital inspection for example okay. they didn't have digital inspection so what we're trying to do is that we're giving them uh, a system that's trustworthy for them, for their information, but we're also democratizing the inspection of the displays. So it's it's a it's a very simple concept, but it's very powerful. We just get a QR code inside the uh, inside the building that's supposed to have their liquor licenses, and anyone can uh, you know scan that code and see if it's a valid or not permit. So is this? Um because this is a Mexico use case. Yeah. Is it done by state, by city? 
is it is it a national registration? It's uh, no, it's it's city it's city level. Okay. It's also state level, <laughs> but yeah, they everyone's you know everybody wants a piece. Okay. But uh, the 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 one that's practically enforced is the city level license. Okay. So it's it's, it's a city by city approach. And then, um, what's the monetization of the platform? Is it done through the city? Is it done through the end consumer? Who who gets the money in the transaction? No, it's it's through the city. We 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 sell it as a as a service. There's a big um, there's a big thing. We 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 try to get annual contracts for at least that, yes. So it's a, it's a SaaS model. Software yeah, software. it's a software service. So model. then I'm gonna ask Lucas this question because you're the head of sales. Is are the cities coming to you, or are you actually reaching out to the government officials to? Um, pitch the idea. Basically both. Okay. Uh, but with the blockchain theme, it happens some, something interesting that many governments said, oh, okay, I want to do something with blockchain. I don't know why <laughs> or, or, or I don't know how, but, uh, but I want the, the, the spotlight, you know, that blockchain gives me like an innovative government or something like that. So in many cases, uh, with blockchain theme, there are several governments in Latin America that find us, you know, that oh, yeah. came, came to us. Basically. Yeah, no, I, I come across this all the time in yeah. my own practice and in the companies I mentor that uh, it can be a corporation, it can yeah. be local officials, that they are hearing about blockchain, they hear about cryptocurrency. They don't know what exactly is. E- even even now here in the United States, it still happens. It still happens yeah. where uh, on my show, often people think of blockchain pure as cryptocurrency. Yeah. And even corporations are like, we want to figure out how to... Uh, build a community, inflate the cryptocurrency, and make a ton of money, right? And I've always been of the mindset that uh, blockchain as a technology and for the use case is really important. And I think that um, the platform you built and serving government uh, use use cases is actually pretty powerful, right? Because there's so much data provenance that can happen in that. And so that's where I'm now going to switch to Alex, the CTO. Um, the platform is built. Yes. What is in the roadmap? What are the new features that are coming? Well, one of the next steps is allowing uh, governments to create their own templates of certificates. Right now, the problem is it's still being done manually. Uh, they say we want to create certificates for uh, alcohol licensing of alcohols, and then they're 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 trying to to switch to construction, for example, to construction permits. And what we want is for them to create those their own templates and be able to certificate by themselves without... Okay. Yeah. Is it going to be a true self-service model or is it going to be where they're going to need a system integrator or consulting services to help them onboard onto the platform? Well, at first it will be this consulting services and then we'll try just to make it the most automated as possible. Well, that's fine. I mean, I think, I think that's the important part to bring it back to pause the cryptocurrency concept for the time being. Think of blockchain is another technology you're selling it as a SaaS model and that there does require integration so I think that that's completely fine as a business model and I think that's where uh, people can further think of like I always say it's just another software as a service it's just another technology and then if it's the right use case it can be adopted and hopefully Jesus go yeah yeah well uh, part of the you know talking about the roadmap we I'm gonna go big here about the whole idea, right? So we basically want to go like uh, serve the complete platform inside government. 
blockchain is just uh, blockchain services are just one part of this, right? And then we want uh, for some services to integrate with others, right? So for example, right now we do service delivery also. We have to, uh, we manage information and, and, and usually structure information. One of the problems in Latin America is that government is very unstructured data. Okay. You know, data is it's it's all over the place and people uh, still use, you know, pen and pencil for <laughs> for most stuff. So one of the further things that we want to do is that we want to make this uh, information available for everyone and to be trustworthy, right? So yeah. then again, blockchain comes in, right? So right now it's 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 the most secure and trustworthy uh, technology. We try to pitch us as you know network agnostic. We don't we don't really care which blockchain you want to use. For example, Argentina has. They're, they're implementing a, a, a federal blockchain for their country. Yeah. Like the country wants to build their own network, so that's fine by us. We don't care. Right now we're here with uh, Ethereum Classic Labs because one of the part of the pitch that we did was to incorporate Ethereum Classic as one of those of those softwares, right. right? So you want to certify Bitcoin, you want to certify Ethereum, you want to certify the BVA, you want to certify MRSK. It's, it's no problem. As long as you uh, follow an open standard, or information to be interoperable, mm -hmm. and um, and you benefit from the you know the plus sides of, of blockchain. It's fine by us. Yeah, that's the point. We we like to talk about the benefits of the of blockchain, not by the technology. And that you know that is what I advocate all the time. And actually, we're out of time. So thanks again to Lucas, Alex, and Jesus of OS City. So coming up next is W3 engineers and how they're trying to connect unconnected people. So imagine very remote parts of the world. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, you want to learn more about OS City and how they're trying to improve the interactions between government and citizens, email us at info at svn.biz or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 888 7846 That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. On today's show, I've been featuring four companies out of Ethereum Classic Labs' recent accelerator. So we're not doing a pivot today, but coming up next is W3 Engineers. They are trying to connect the unconnected and remote parts of the world using blockchain as a technology. I'm joined with Saiful Hawk, also known as Milton. He's a product manager with W3 Engineers, and he's going to talk about their Telemesh project here at ETC Labs. Welcome, Saiful. Hi, thank you. So tell me a little bit about yourself, and then tell me about Telemesh. Oh, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. My name is Saiful Hawk. Uh, people call me Milton's my nickname. Uh, you know, uh, there are over a million people living in uh, Rohingya camp, located in Kutupalam uh, in Kaksas Bazar, a very small city in Bangladesh. You know, all these people are unconnected because government doesn't allow them to buy the SIM card. So these people, uh, you know, need connectivity. Yes. Among each other. You know, some people, they lost their children. And some of them are not connected for like years. Yes. So we came up with a solution called Telemesh. Because Telemesh can help them to be connected without having any internet infrastructures. So the main concept and the main vision of the product is to bring connectivity 
to the billions of people like you know about 3.9 billion people in the world who are currently unconnected uh, unconnected from the internet yeah so, but, but they have mobile phones yeah okay. they can use the smartphones to be connected using the telemeshap uh, it's pretty simple you can download and install the applications and once you install the application in your uh, in your mobile it can create peer to peer messaging connections and each node will have a unique identifications okay so people will be connected uh, will be able to connect each other without any internet connections and users from remote areas uh, they can they will be able to connect you using the internet so people can buy or sell uh, mobile data uh, using the cryptocurrency or currently using the ethereum uh, to uh, so uh, you know there is an opportunity uh, a lot of opportunities for the uh, business perspective as well because once the network is built you know uh, we can push advertisements we can even uh, charge a little very little amount uh, between the transactions fees yes. the transaction fees and also you know uh, government and big organizations can install the applications as a information services for them uh, also we can help any research institute also uh, with the with providing the data uh, i think a lot of uh, opportunities also to work with the telecommunication companies you know the telecommunication companies cannot go a lot of areas because the infrastructure is so expensive so we can actually also cooperate with them we can work with them uh, to reach those people where infrastructure building is very cost and uh, you know they can connect those people so, using using that using the solution. No, it's very interesting. I, I spent a lot of years working with telecommunications companies, so I, I see the use case. But in terms of that, what we call the last mile, and there's many more miles. Um, how do they then interact with telemesh? How, what would the use case be for the telecommunication to to leverage what you've built? Oh well, uh, you know we are not. First of all, we are not uh, oppositions of the telecommunication company. Mm-hmm. We are the associates of them. Yes. Uh, you know, our application can be installed with their system, and then uh, they can uh, use their own network by leveraging with us to connect those unconnected people. Okay. Yeah, because our technology is based on uh, blockchain, and we are uh, you know creating uh, a mesh network which enable people to connect each other without internet infrastructures. So the telecommunication company uh, probably cannot build their infrastructure everywhere in a country. You know, there are some remote areas, there are some areas where very few people living or probably uh, there are some uh, mountains or some you know, remote situations where they cannot go, they cannot reach out. Yeah. Uh, they can use our technology you know, to fulfill that demand. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's the part that I'm still learning. So then in terms of the residents of those remote locations, they have phones and yep. they can get they can get mobile service but they can't get internet service. Yes. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, a company I worked for a decade ago, um, they gave a lot of free products, one of the largest consumer brands in the United States into it. And they gave an app that could be used in other parts of the world, but this is like, for instance, farmers uh, trying to do negotiations with the, the local middleman and being able to send messaging through text. Uh, and it didn't require even a smartphone back then, just SMS texting. And they could actually check uh, World Cup soccer scores. They could do all these other things. So I think really what you're building is kind of the next generation yes. of this technology. Yes, it's exactly. It's the next generation of technology, which actually people are actually still innovating. 
people still spending uh, you know efforts to build the next innovation next innovative products based on these technologies and, and even though your product uh, right now is being used in Bangladesh can it be used in other parts of the world yeah definitely it can be used anywhere in the world right now you know we have a pilot program in the Rohingya camp in Cox's Bazar area like 10 people from you know uh, uh, we are actually already you know working with the UNICEF Bangladesh to uh, start a pilot program in Cox's Bazar for those Rohingya people mm -hmm. so it will be happen like end of this month 10 UNICEF members uh, about 15 people from our core team will be working also uh, there will be like maybe 70 to 100 people from the, the Rohingya camps they'll be joining we are mm -hmm. hoping yeah, so there'll be a pilot program, and you know the uh, prototypes are ready, solutions are there, and people already you know testing uh, the solutions. They can connect each others. So the pilot program is uh, in our list. It's, uh, it will be held on schedule, I think. That's great. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a use case for a remittance platform? Sorry, remittances. Do you think that your application could be used for sending money from? You know, one currency translated into cryptocurrency. Yeah, you know, it is already in our plan, but uh, yeah, still we are working on prototyping that people will be able to sending money, the remittances. You know, a lot of people uh, in Bangladesh living abroad, they send money. So yeah, that's a very important use case. Yeah. Uh, we, it is already in our plans. So okay. We'll be building that, and it will be uh, definitely possible. You know, once you can send messages. Then it's pretty easy to send, you know, the data of uh, money transactions. It's the same logic yeah. actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, Milton, thank you for being on the show today. I'm looking forward to hearing all the progress your project is making. So, I have Saiful Hawk, also known as Milton, who is with W3 Engineers, and we were talking about telemesh. So, thanks again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So thanks again for tuning to today's show. We learned about four companies who are trying to transform lives using blockchain as a technology. Any questions or comments about any of the companies, email us at info at svn.biz. Come to our website, svin.biz, or Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN.